Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's What Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, and usually this is where the actual podcast would start, but our equipment decided to take a bit of a holiday weekend early. So you're about to hear the recording that we did. Um, sadly, it's a little bit crackly. It's a little bit... Um, the levels have had to be um, raised a little bit, and all the gains been changed and whatever. We've hopefully resurrected the thing that we spent half an hour recording. So just, you know, go in expecting... I don't know, the worst, and hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, but, you know, with all that stuff in mind, here's the recording that we did on Friday afternoon, and thank you guys very, very much for putting up with all the shenanigans. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ash Milman. Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello. Now, there's been a whole bunch of varying reports coming out, and one of them relating to NetherRealm and the whole idea of crunch culture and the things that various developers do uh, at their top tiers to get games out on time. And I kind of just wanted to have a conversation around, like, the reality of AAA gaming, the sort of, I don't know, the the expectations that we put on the biggest games and the biggest products in the industry um, and how that's just kind of changed over time. And just, I kind of want to pick it all apart because I think that the industry puts so much money and time and effort and just the human cost on graphics and presentation um, sometimes to the detriment of gameplay, but what do you guys, what do you, th- what do you think if the question was, what do you expect from a AAA game? Is it something that's massively expansive in terms of time? Is it a certain, you know, expectation of mechanics? Well, there is an expectation. Does it look pretty? Exactly. Like everything you just said there, to me, AAA games are sort of like the blockbusters of Hollywood. Mm. They're the big tentpoles that have huge budgets and are ridiculously bombastic and have all these systems <laughs> and will probably take 100 hours of your life to finish. And there is, I think, perhaps to a negative extent, like a real expectation of them being the prettiest, biggest games you can have. And Mm. like, you want them to sort of push gaming forward and push technological limits. But like we've realized this year through all of these stories, that might be coming at the detriment of actual, you know, productivity in developers' lives and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just what players expect, I think, just doesn't line up to the realities of how games are currently being made. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Ash? Yes. No, I agree with I all that. I also agree. No, I do agree with all that. I think uh, tri- AAA titles and everything, AAA games, are... Uh, what, the, what are you talking about? <laughs> just <laughs> AAA games. AAA. A games. A- uh, carry on. <laughs> there's this massive pressure on them to be the thing mm. that we're all waiting for and excited about and gets pushed and pushed and pushed through all of our marketing for games and everything like that. So there's this massive expectation that's there. So we want the best thing. Mm-hmm. Like, 
So there's a like, stress that comes with that. One of the biggest things is like correlating price with those things. Cause like loads of people will be like, oh, like, I don't know, some indie game, like No Man's <laughs> Sky or something, or like, or something that like kind of came up with like an indie mentality. It's like, oh, I'm not paying like 60 pound for that or 50 pound for that. I remember even a couple of years ago when I was in university or something, and then it was a very big deal for me, like buying a full price game. And mm. I needed to know that I would get um, my time out of it. Like I, it didn't really matter if it was a great five hour experience mm. that might've been the best thing I'd played. If I had spent 60 pounds on that, 50 pounds 40 pounds on that i might have felt a little bit shortchanged i put a lot of stock in my time investment and like getting my money's worth or whatever mm -hmm. and i think that sort of like slips away when you you know if you like get like a full-time job or whatever and you have like the financial sort of basis to actually be able to like buy games no matter the price mm -hmm. but i still think an overwhelming amount of people rightly so put a sort of a, a number on what they expect from like the games like from a monetary yeah um, i would agree i think like if i was given a five-hour game for 60 quid or whatever <laughs> like a an aa pro <laughs> I keep saying see a -A -A. you can't do it it's <laughs> a triple a uh from a triple a po <laughs> from a triple a point of view if i was getting five hours worth of gameplay i would be disappointed if i was right. paying uh that tag because I think price. that like falls back into the developer side, like even something like Days Gone or like you know, in a more formulaic sense, like The Division or a lot of Ubisoft stuff. It's like they're developing these games that obviously they want to charge a premium price for, but then you get a lot of like bloat, like a lot of mechanical bloat. Yeah, like, a lot of copy and paste design. Like even something like Spider Man, like you know, like a lot of those um, areas that you're clearing out of goons or guards or opponents or whatever are very similar. And Days Gone has yeah. that too. And it's like I wonder how much they sort of think on the developer side. Like, well, we need to put all these things in to match up to how much this is supposed to be worth. Well, that's it. They, they fundamentally. The expectations we only get ex we all, we only expect certain things because that's what we're given. I remember mm -hmm. at the start of the 360 generation, it was a huge, huge deal that games were now only six to eight hours long, eight to ten hours long. I remember right. everyone kind of being like, "Well, maybe not, maybe don't buy this because that's it's not what we, we used to." Mm -hmm. But as that generation wore on, everything that was the standard that became the eight to ten hour experience was just standard across the board. And I think we as gamers came to accept that and mm -hmm. we're more willing to spend full price on these games but now we're definitely entering well we were we're in an open world sort of era where we yeah. now publishers are push, pushing these huge sandboxes that take 40 hours of time and they might not always have top quality content it might be padded out mm -hmm. but yeah. they have now set the expectation that that's what a triple A game is if that makes sense well even yeah. like Mortal Kombat has that like the like all the gear that you get and all the augments and it's like I'll get like a plus 2% attack buff and whatever and you plug that into your bit of gear and like all that kind of thing I think those that's a lot of like copy and paste stuff in terms of like the way that their design docs must be at the beginning mm. of the development they're like we're going to pad this stuff out but i guess like to bring it back to the the human cost thing like how much do you think those systems like how much time must they take to work out different loot systems oh, or the gosh. mathematical side of it and then tweaking it after the fact if something doesn't go well like anthems in, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> anthems in the middle of that at the minute um and it's just the amount of like i don't know the amount of time that goes into designing an entire year's worth of a loot grind oh my god is oh, it yeah. even worth it it's like it's like you say mind-boggling mm. like it's ridiculous when you think about it when you think that someone is literally putting like their life and soul into hiding all of these like dinosaur bones around Red Dead Redemption 2 and like I don't give a <laughs> yeah. oh I'm not supposed to say that sorry but um, <laughs> you can say poop. Yeah, I don't give a poop about them Fair. but uh yeah it's just it's ludicrous the amount of manpower that has to go into creating these things that are, are padding like mm -hmm. you say it is little fluffy bits that you can go okay well I can squeeze all of my enjoyment out of this game 
for playing every single piece of it, but mm. I don't really care as I'm not invested as I am in the main story. I think like making things bigger and bigger, like it's just, it's weird. Cause I think back on like the like, gaming across the two thousands, like when we were on like lunch break before I was thinking of like, you know, the, the amount of different genres that were on the go at once across the two thousands. Like it wasn't like, it was completely expected or I don't know, like it was more accepted that when we were growing up, we would play a bigger variety of games. Yeah. Like nearly everyone would play like a golf game and a tennis game right next to like whatever the, the go-to thing is. What? I think I played every single Tiger Woods PGA tour right? from yeah. 2005. <laughs> yeah. 2010 genuinely yeah and virtual yeah. tennis was great too yeah, and it was, it was like back then it was sort of like the the budgets or the you know development cost mm. or the, the the team sizes they all kind of like folded into the idea that you could experiment with it with genres and i think like the the consumer in general was more open to trying a variety of different things now like obviously all those genres are still there there are still golf games and tennis games and stuff way more spaced out yeah but like i don't know, do you think the the landscape has changed like obviously the the industry and the data available means they can literally tailor games more specifically like this open world formula will sell but yeah. like that kind of has a knock-on effect of prioritizing big, big whiz-bang graphics, get everybody in, here's this formula, and then move on to the next thing, and the loot grind will carry you through till the next one. I don't... I can never see why gaming now isn't as diverse as it used to be, genre-wise. Mm. Like, all of these publishers are very, like, clearly chasing what's popular, and what's mm -hmm. popular at the moment is live services. But the point that they're missing, and this is what I think Jim Sterling always says, is that live services are designed to sort of take up all of your time. Yes. So you can only play one or two of them anyway. So you are all you are inherently pushing the rest of the side. You just don't have. No one has the time no. to play all of these games, and that makes me baffled as to why they don't then pursue other genres that mm. can fill those gaps that people aren't getting from the mm. games that they already have. It's sort of like when Call of Duty had three developers working on that franchise and they were all doing sci-fi games. Yeah. They've changed now, thankfully, but for a time it was just baffling to mm. me mm. why they weren't focusing on different eras or different styles of gameplay because you're getting one every single year and if you yeah. change it up, people aren't going to be annoyed. People might embrace it. The price of games has never really changed, like, especially, at least mm. in my life. If anything, it's actually gone down. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like like considering like inflation stuff when the price of everything around it is going up mm -hmm. the price of games has been more or less the same mm -hmm. which obviously is less than what it used to cost really mm -hmm. in like with taking yeah, inflation yeah. into account but that because of that expectation now because of that stagnation if you start messing with the pricing model at this point it's so entrenched mm -hmm. that it probably will enrage a lot of people and will certainly take a lot to sell to people and take yeah. a lot for them to get used to it. I forget the name of the dude. Um, it's not Michael Pachter, but there was another, like, you know, commentator, you know, general commentator, like, on the gaming industry. And he was saying that video games should cost way more than £60 mm. or, or whatever mm. the full price is because you're playing them for hours and hours and hours. And if you compare that to, like, you know, a film ticket or, like, a Netflix subscription or something, the amount of, like, you know, entertainment per hour that you get from a game should mean that it actually costs, like, a couple of hundred or something. Yeah. And it's just, like, that is obviously, like, you know, that would be the wrong direction for yeah. me. Um, but I wonder, like, if it's, yeah, just like a question of like optics like what is what does the average consumer even want versus what they're actually being served up well i'll ask you guys like what would you prefer would you prefer the price of a base game to go up but then you don't have any sort of microtransactions mm. or any in-game purchases because with me if i buy a game for 40 pounds and mm. i really love it and then like a year down the line i'm still loving it i will happily you know pay for a new skin or something like that to continue part of the problem brown i don't know yeah. i don't know <laughs> because i've got i mean obviously for predatory systems i won't no, no, you, you're dime, completely right. but say for a game like rainbow succeed which i've gotten three years of steady sort of gameplay yeah. out of like i want to continue to support those developers because they've continued giving me sort of like free maps and free modes and not free operators but they've allowed you to unlock them for free and mm -hmm. it never really feels predatory it so it feels like i want to sort of give them more but would you 
prefer a different system where games were priced completely different. So you spend £80 for a game like Red Dead 2 mm. and know you would be able to play that for mm. months. I'll stop talking now. But the whole the whole point of this that it boils down to is multiplayer versus single-player narratives again because Rainbow Six Siege is like an online multiplayer true. thing. That's where you're getting your enjoyment from, whereas mm-hmm. Red Dead 2 is your single-player investment, your 60 hours of, I'm on my own, I'm Arthur Morgan, I've got my horse, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it depends on what you want from a game, mm-hmm. personally. I Whenever, think yeah. it's, it's interesting, like, uh, upping the actual, like, the assumed, like, recommended retail price or whatever, because, like, the the core problem is that budgets are kind of out of control. Mm. Like, you have people, yeah. the, the crunch culture comes from trying to maximize the, the workforce to, to match up to a certain release date or a certain feature set or whatever. And it's like, whether that's a question of planning or a question of, like, the hype, like, getting out of control or, like, just different, like, marketing whims or financial whims. Like, I just, I think the, the bottom's kind of falling out at the minute. Like, the amount of different stories that are coming out of just developers being completely overworked um, and then either having like literally like mental breakdowns or having to take time off work or whatever like you know that core group of people that were putting these things together it's not sustainable in the long run no um, and it's like yeah like how does how do they solve that either there's more money at the at the end to kind of like offset the future like I don't know the, the planning side of it but I just don't know what the actual solution is but raising the price uh, might work for bigger games. I don't games. know. Do you want to sell your soul for more money, or do you hmm. want to keep more of your soul for your own? I think, like, yeah. I think what it is is we need to turn to smaller games again. It's, I think open world and these live systems mm. and games of service and everything is fantastic, and that a fan base is obviously consuming those and ruling those. But I feel like it's a case of the more you put out there, the hungrier an audience is, the more they will want, mm. the more you're going to be asked to provide. So if we go back and rein it in a little bit and focus in more on ten-hour, twenty-hour mm-hmm. games, then there's less crunch culture around that because you can get a bite-sized chunk of it or release things episodically, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. also, I think, a good way of doing it. I'd quite enjoy episodic games. Episodic's like a, a, a weird thing because when they, when The Walking Dead like nailed it, mm. and then obviously it was rolled out like a TV show and everyone was looking forward to the next, you know, breaking down the next like character introduction or whatever mm. it was, like week by week or, or month by month. But then something like Hitman tried to do that and everyone hated it. No, I thought people like, liked Hitman. No, the first Hitman didn't sell very well. Um, I mean, I, the game's phenomenal, but mm. like, the, like critically, yeah, it's very solid. But like the general reception to the idea of splitting a game episodically was pretty mm. negative. And that's the same thing with Final Fantasy VII's remake mm. um, that it's going to be like split across months or who even knows if that's things even real <laughs> but like whatever they're going to be splitting that a- a- across something but it's like that could be a financial way to solve the problem of mm, that, you know payback there's just this whole disparity between when you actually think like wh- as a consumer yeah I want everything on a plate given to me like mm-hmm. but if you're thinking realistically about uh, the people behind it like that's the only solution I could think of that would balance what a uh, customer gets mm-hmm. with what they're actually working to provide mm-hmm. and isn't it really like fair to sacrifice a bit of time for these people to not like be yeah, absolutely of course. Like, that's that's the thing though it's like has has gaming reached like critical mass like how much big like yeah. you know we've got like the like, the latest assassin's creed and the one before it is like mm. a good couple of hundred hours long um the witcher 3 is absolutely humongous as oh, well i think yeah. that thing is loaded and i think that team is very passionate and they wanted to put mm. that much that much stuff into it but like assassin's creed is like bursting at the seams like mm. here is so much content that you're just never gonna really see mm. um and it's like how worthwhile is that are they designing something for I don't know, like an average consumer base that isn't yeah. no longer us anymore. Well, that's a good point. I had to make sort of peace with the fact a few years ago that I was just not going to see everything a game had to offer anymore, mm. especially with these open world games. I'll see through the main story, I'll see through most of the side quests, but I remember growing up and even when my late teens, I would do everything in a game. Mm. I would do all the right. side missions, I would get, collect all the collectibles, I would make sure all of the map was explored. Mm-hmm. But now these games are so unwieldy that, I, at least for me, that's not how I play games anymore. Yeah. I like I try to get the core of the experience and then I might move on to something else because there are so many games coming mm-hmm. out and they demand so much of your time. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think, will people be that annoyed if they do scale back a little bit? Like you have these Assassin's Creed games coming out 
every two years now mm-hmm. and they are like you say bursting at the seams and there will be obviously people who love to just die like in live that in world, that world. And live in it yeah. but I wonder if if that justifies the sheer cost on the developer's yeah. side mm-hmm. and what that sort of takes on the studio mm-hmm. it kind of is like in film like the Alien franchise where you get Alien 1 it's fantastic you want to like <laughs> analyse it you want to go into it everything's so wonderful what does mm-hmm. this mean so many theories Aliens number two yep. very good continues stay in vain offers a few new things and then you get Alien 3 Alien 4 <laughs> and then you get Prometheus and you get Reven- all these different Covenant, things Covenant yeah. not Revenant and uh, you're just like what, what am I going to do with this This nobody <laughs> asked for this this is too much like uh-huh. you're going into things I don't even need here so I think like as much as when we had just Alien we were like oh yeah please give us more mm. give us more it's not necessarily like Life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
it's not necessarily think, necessary. And yeah, yeah, I think sequelizing, like the idea, the, the philosophy of like sequelizing something, it's like, what else can you add to that that core idea, that core story, mm. that character's path or whatever? I always think it's different in gaming because you're iterating on mechanics. It's not it's yeah. not so narratively like focused, but obviously like Ubisoft have pushed that to the brink because it's like Far Cry's reached the same point mm. that Assassin's Creed reached back in uh, 2013 where it was like, you know, you're just getting more of the same over and over again. I mean, FIFA is nigh on the same game every year. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, FIFA fans, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, you know, you get all that yeah. kind of thing and it's like, yeah, like, how much can they just keep doing the same thing over and over again versus focusing on innovation? I just absolutely remember picking up Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So right. I, I don't play all of the Assassin's Creed games. I pick them up and dabble in them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought, oh, I'll try Syndicate. I'll play that properly. Since I really love Black Flag and all the <laughs> original ones. So uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'll try this out. I remember seeing so much on the map and all the different things and all the different thi- like different side missions and everything that I actually just took it out again. Right. I was just like... Hmm. See, <laughs> Maybe but, later. But like, how much it, is that acknowledgement that you're not going to see it? Yeah, like, that works against it. But it was just yeah. so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not. I was like, I'm not going to get the experience that this game is trying to give me because I can't get all these side things to make mm. the the main story that much more interesting because there is all these side options that tie into it and then I feel like I'm not getting the actual experience mm. of the game because I'm not doing everything in it so I don't know I just think there's this whole thing of like expanding and monopolizing and making everything as big as it possibly can it's, be it's just a weird paradox because on the one hand these games want you to really indulge in all mm. this content mm. but on the other side they're cultivating a culture that wants you to get through it as fast as possible so you can talk yeah. about it and be in the conversation I remember Red <laughs> Dead Redemption 2 I bloody loved that game played for weeks on end and mm. just slowly lived on it but then it, even that got to a point where I was thinking I need to see the end of this otherwise mm. I'm going to miss out yeah. on the conversation I'm going to miss out on all my friends playing it I'm going to get, maybe even get spoiled so I need to sort of hurry up a little bit and get mm. through it mm-hmm. which you know like those two ideas might work in isolation but they don't kind of work in tandem and I think the industry as a whole kind of pushes both mm. in a strange strange like, way I mean, Rockstar's like an anomaly because they they have so they have like the money and the budget yes. to just do all these other things but like how much is, are those extraneous elements even necessary like all like all the fetch quests all the collectibles all this stuff that you just you put into an open world like Days Gone has a whole bunch of that stuff as a vision a lot of Ubisoft games have it like we've just kind of gotten to a place where those things are just expected but they're not even necessary to the biggest takeaways of that game it, de- it really depends again I, I think we're thinking of the biggest studios when we think yeah. of these so like Rockstar and CD Project Red mm-hmm. and everything because think of they're the all Witch- the studios that are having the fallout at the minute yeah because so, like yeah. thinking about thinking about The Witcher 3 in particular and all of its side quests mm-hmm. you would not have as enjoyable a game if you didn't look at all of the content in it because right. it all ties in there's all these different monsters there's all these different threads there's all the building of Geralt as a character like I, I would feel like I'd been like I'd missed out if I hadn't gone and done all those things mm-hmm. but then it is so massive and so much of it and like now that I'm older and have less time time and everything mm-hmm. it's it's it, uh, overwhelming again like <laughs> yeah. as, uh, don't put it in if like I guess it's it's a case of don't put it in if, if you don't think everyone can reach it and it's this informative important piece of the narrative it's like I wonder what oh go on no, I was going to say I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there Ash because mm. like I, I do think The Witcher in particular you and the and Red Dead Redemption 2 you want that wider stuff because it all informs the whole mm-hmm. But there is, I think it's because we've cultivated this expectation of having these massive games every couple of years. Mm. Like, there's been a big gap between The Witcher 3 and um, Cyberpunk 2077. And I think that's that's probably healthier because it gives the team, like, you'd you'd hope, more time to create Mm. the games and less time to crunch. I think it's the expectation that we need a 100-hour experience every two years, every Mm. four years that might be damaging in itself. Like, 
it's obviously fine and great to have those games come out, mm-hmm. but from a consumer perspective, we we expect them regularly, yeah. and maybe that's, but that's where the that's another thing. Like, does the consumer need it? Do they expect it, or have they been told to expect? I it? I don't think we need it, but I do think we've be, we expect it because mm. we've been told to expect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. where it, it, it kind of comes back again because it's like the solution to a lot of the problems. Like a lot of the problems around crunch is putting a certain you know you're you're putting a certain like team size into develop like you know padding out an entire open world that mm. arguably doesn't isn't going to be seen for the most part by everybody anyway. And it's like, but who I don't know who the industry would say their main age demographic is because, like you said before, like when you're younger, you you do soak up every single part mm. of it. Um, even though, like looking at, like the ESA, like the Entertainment Standards Agency, like their average gamer is 35, mm-hmm. according to everyone that they like surveyed across America or whatever. Um, but it's like the average 35 year old isn't milking 200 hours out of Assassin's Creed. Well, it's like every time Trophy Data or every time EA talks about mm. single play, it's mm. always about how few people actually complete games. Right. So it's like. Obviously, people are finishing them and people are getting loads out of them. But I mean, if someone can't even finish The Last of Us, if like a big chunk of people can't even play that, mm-hmm. if fifty percent of people turn it off or whatever, then obviously they're not going to get mm-hmm. everything out of these huge open worlds that come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing as well, like bringing like difficulty into it. But I had secure because I was going to go through a couple of uh, recent examples of games that I think got the balance right between the um, the presentation, the importance of mm. graphics, or like I don't know, art direction versus the mechanics. I've got God of War as for me, I think is the perfect balance of everything. Oh, like, I mean, because it's so sublime. much, yeah, like. <laughs> but like that game looks absolutely stunning. But it has such a great like the depth of the script, the size mm. of the script, the depth of the writing, the you know the character portrayals and everything. That thing is meaty as hell in every possible mm. respect um, and matches gameplay to graphics the whole way through. Um, Sekiro I've got on here, but obviously like, difficulty is going to get in, in the way. Mm. But I, I think that as much as Sekiro isn't going to be held up as like one of the best looking games like of the generation, it's like it fits. It, they didn't go overboard. They spent enough time during development on the graphics, but they focused on the gameplay. Yeah. Um, and another one I put down is Days Gone, which like does look pretty gorgeous, but its gameplay is... I'm not gonna say rote, but like repetitive. Mm. I don't know. It's very simplistic. I like it a lot, but like it's quite repetitive. Um, but I guess it's that thing. It's like when you look at certain games, you can tell where the budget went. Like mm-hmm. even something like Uncharted Four, it's like you guys spent so much time making this look absolutely gorgeous, and the gameplay is nigh on plays like it did for Uncharted Three, <laughs> yeah. um, in a good way. But um, that's the thing. When it gets back to communicating those changes to the public, like because they've seen a big old graphic splendor thing, mm. do they then expect like? Something that's easy to play and they're going to play for a long time and I think kind of it's stuff. interesting talking about the 35-year-old being like the average age range because mm. obviously online is all like a younger generation, like all these people that are 16 and younger growing, mm-hmm. growing up with internet and everything and they're the vocal ones and they're the ones who have access to... Like, I, I've been that person. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm online, I've got time, I can go and talk about it, go on all the forums, like mm-hmm. expect more, demand more because... I've got time. I've got the the want and the will to play it and everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's because there's such like a, a vocal element of the community that it seems like this is what yeah. we're well, demanding. Like if if, um, if you're watching a review and like they say like oh they have the stories like eight hours long or they mm. say it's six hours long, then it'll yeah. immediately be said in the comments like oh that's too short. Yeah, mm. and it's like but it doesn't like you haven't taken into account like what the story is about or whether mm. it completely peaks like it p- perfectly tells its story in that time. Mm. Like I think Celeste is like I don't know eight to ten. I pretty much did that in a day. Like mm-hmm. if that, um, and I would say that's perfectly paced. Like you know you compare it to film again or a TV show or something and yeah. it's like gaming is just the biggest medium like we have s- so much money behind everything the stories take forever to pad themselves mm. out and um, for the most part they pay off I like to think but like something like The Last of Us works because of its time but like is that time I just keep thinking that time investment isn't necessary I think you can reduce everything tell tighter stories have tighter gameplay mechanics essentially like it's it's not like saying get back to the 2000s but yeah. like the, the, the 2000s <laughs> was like a hotbed mm. for innovation and genre and everything and I yeah. think a lot of that's gone away because they focus so much on these 
specific types? I think like everything, it's it's just balance. Obviously, mm. you know, like what we we prefer, I think, like those sort of more condensed, mm. tighter experiences. But I mean, like these open world games sell like hotcakes. You know, yeah. people are buying them up. People really enjoy them. And I think it's just it's what you said before about diversifying your sort of library as a whole mm. like you want it's fine to have these big big mm. experiences but then that doesn't need to be everything you can have yeah yeah it's definitely a case of balance. balance with everything else yeah because it's just like i've just i've never had never had anybody recommend something like one of those massive open world games i refer to them like i'm talking like about dad like oh one of those <laughs> open world thingies but like no one refers no one recommends like assassin's creed going like oh you're gonna you're gonna love like there's all this hundred hour grind yeah. like you know but we, you would recommend like kratos's journey in god of war you would mm. recommend like the spider-man campaign or something like that like you know they have more they're more recommendable because they're easy to get through. The, the, talking about dads, my mm -hmm. dad is the only one who I know who recommends big open world games, but that's right. because he wants really? one game to play for the whole year. Right, so that's okay. his, his logic. So he doesn't need one like every two years, every this side or other, because he just plays it for like ages. Mm -hmm. so he's playing Divinity 2 Original Sin. Yeah, at the yeah. And he's like, absolutely bashing through it because he loves it. Right. But that's going to be his game for a good long while because mm -hmm. he only plays it like a little bit after work each yeah. day. So. I guess it's just like, yeah, like I said, as the industry's gotten bigger and, the, and it's like, you know, it started to like eke into the mainstream, then you've got people like your dad or people mm. like the the average teenager or student that has so much more disposable time and maybe they're just making stuff for those disposable well, like, no, all that time that's the thing it's not disposable time for him it's just that mm. he's willing to invest years into it because he's <laughs> like okay well this is I'll pay like however much for a big game that I'm going to have all this time out of and then eke it out very slowly mm -hmm. over all the little drips and drabs that I can put into it mm -hmm. so I think but then I think that really plays into give us six years between a game mm. don't yeah. stress the, that's the what Rockstar out. are doing for the yeah, most part like I'd much rather that be the approach to it we have this one magnificent ginormous game mm -hmm. but you're not going to get another one for like another good while yeah it's obviously like and, and to bring the word balance back into it like obviously CD Projekt Red after The Witcher 3 we're just like we're going to take our time and they've made a point of literally saying yeah. it's ready when it's ready um, and that seems to be like the best way to approach mm. the developer ethos of just taking your time um, to bring other like corporate you know um, corporate mentalities into it like obviously EA um, they literally manned it like this will ship by March mm. or yeah. whatever and they stick to that and it's like this will be put out hence crunch hence why it gets turned around faster well that's that's where it becomes difficult because it's mm. not just because games are like big it came out last week about Epic and Fortnite yes. Fortnite isn't really sort of a big complex game or you mm. wouldn't put it mechanically up, like, yeah you wouldn't right. put it up alongside like a Red Dead Redemption 2 is no. like having needing so much like a manpower to create this like massive world or mm -hmm. like this mechanic this, uh, this mechanical suite <laughs> yes. stuff and yet like all those developers have been through this ridiculous crunch period and mm. been forced to work weekends and stuff like that mm -hmm. so if a game like Fortnite which you would view as being relatively simple still has all of these toxic sort of um, working conditions around yeah. it then it, will it even matter if they get more time to make these bigger I think, games and stuff. I, I it's probably just... like, like spin out and take another editorial because I was watching an interview with uh, Peter Molyneux. He was on this mm. great new channel. I think it's called like um, We Like Games or We Make Games or something. It's uh, <laughs> Chris Bratz who used to work for Video Gamer and Eurogamer. It's his own channel now. And he had Peter Molyneux on. Mm. And uh, Molyneux was just talking about the um, the culture they had back when they made Black and White and Populous, like those old God games in the late 90s. And he was saying that like the crunch culture was insane back then. Like he was doing a consistent like 14 to 16 hour days for entire weeks for months on end. Um, and it's like, how much is this stuff just endemic to gaming? Yeah. And it's like, Accepted like from the bigger top tier companies mm. because they've been in this industry for so long, and that's the thing that needs to change. Well, I have a weird thing in this. Stop me if I'm being like horrible here. But Never. Like, well, back in like the day when it's like 14 people teams or it's like a couple people teams and uh -huh. it's people who are like pouring their lives into it. If they want to sort of, I don't, I don't recommend it. But if I they want to put like gonna 100 say, hours yeah. into it, like the guy, the writers for Rockstar that came out that they put like 100 hour weeks into it because uh -huh. they were like dedicated to this thing. And I think it's not fine. You shouldn't overwork yourself like that. But if it's like a small group of you, very passionate about. Something. Of course, you want to put you everything choice, into yeah. it, mm. but it's when 
that mentality trickles down into a massive corporation mm. yeah. and it affects everyone who probably, you know, they just want to survive and they want to have like yeah. a nice job. Mm-hmm. Like that shouldn't be pushed at every single level. I think that's incredibly toxic, but I can see where it comes from, you know, that sort of idea that, yeah, you've got to put everything into your art. Mm. And that's, you know, that's nice and romantic and stuff, but I don't think that fundamentally works in a realistic, like, society where your job security is so poor and you are just like hating and when <laughs> mental health awareness exactly. is so yeah. much oh God, better today yeah. than it's ever been as well no yeah I think I think there's a really big point to be saying to be said from uh, video games being art because we do forget that a lot as much mm. as entertainment it's it's art form isn't it and people have passion behind it mm-hmm. and people have drive for it and yes they might want to just make everything about this game but yeah. you're so right that it shouldn't be a standard it should be an anomaly exactly. and if the, and completely like consensual in mm-hmm. I want to do this. That's it. Like that, that, uh, that mentality, you know, it's like, like I said, it's like romantic, but when that's abused by like cooperations mm. to manipulate people into thinking the same way or doing the yeah. same thing, then that's just, and you can bring all that data okay. back into it as well, where there's like, well, we know that this social media thing is trending. We know that X millions of players play this genre. Therefore mm. we need to have this thing in. We need to overhaul this and target this. Like that, like I said, like contrast with the two thousands where like the developer kind of came first or the idea came first mm-hmm. as opposed to like, well, you know, this, this is the sales pitch and this is what's going to track. And we need to like go with this. I think it's a massive problem, um, but I think it's just it's just kind of worth like addressing. I don't know the the human cost of development as it is right now, and the size of the industry because it's kind of ridiculous. I hope, I hope, I hope change is coming. <laughs> I mean, with like this year in particular has been sort of a watershed moment. I think with how mm-hmm. many stories have came out, how people are starting to speak up, not only anonymously but on the record, mm-hmm. and people like corporations have to sort of take stock of that. They have to. They have well, you to think have so? A change. You would, wouldn't you? But who knows? The like, amount yeah. of um, contractual work that gets done so that they yeah. can just like use and abuse yeah. like mm. you know coders and kind of like rotate them through is pretty bad um but yeah we'll probably revisit this in the future but it was just because of the mortal Kombat thing i was like not mm. you nether realm <laughs> like not even the not even the mortal Kombat devs um but yeah but for now i guess just have a think on like your favorite triple a games and the size of the teams and just where gaming has been across uh, and got to across the last sort of 30 ish years but for now this has been the what culture gaming podcast and i've been your host scott taylor joined by ash millman Goodbye. I'm Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.